From Loyola University Chicago School of Law and WLUW, this is The Poppykin, where law students exploring the vanguard of the legal world with experts from our backyard and beyond. Subscribe to The Podvocate wherever you get your podcasts, and join us every Saturday evening at 6 on WLUW 88.7 Chicago. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Emmett Harrington, and I'm pleased to introduce the Podvocate's next guest, Mr. Joe Roddy. Mr. Roddy, thank you for being here today. Thanks, Emmett. Pleasure to be here. Uh, Mr. Roddy has a background in the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. He was a graduate of Chicago Kent and is also a former trial ad professor at the school. Now he's a partner at Burke, Warren, McKay, and Saratella. But in today's gig economy, he's also picked up a televised WGN legal commentator position. And that's what I want to talk most about today. But before we get there, uh, Mr. Roddy, you began by serving as a prosecutor where you had 35 jury verdicts. What type of cases did you do while working at the Cook County State's Attorney's Office? Sure. Happy to talk about that, Emmett. So when I started in the state's attorney's office, you worked your way through different areas. You started in the appeals division. And then my next uh, spot after that was in what's called the municipal division, where we tried misdemeanor cases. So anything from small small amounts of marijuana, uh, battery cases, criminal trespass to land or vehicle. Uh, And some of those included jury trials. So I had several jury trials on misdemeanor cases. And then we moved through other aspects of the office, felony review, preliminary hearings, until you finally get to what most people want to get down there is to 26th in California, where you're trying um, felony criminal cases. So the the bulk of my cases went anywhere from gun possession to criminal sexual assault to murder cases, aggravated vehicular hijacking, all kinds of cases at the time. Um, it really depended on what the defendant wanted to do, because as may or not be aware in the state system, the decision on whether or not to have a jury trial is up to the defendant, where in federal court, the government and the defendant have an opportunity to make that decision. So it, it really depended on uh, on what the defendant wanted to do in the particular case. So it was a variety of cases. I'd say the bulk of them at the end of my career were mostly murder cases. So definitely that experience down at 26 in California translates to WGN and, and the TV role you have. But how do you think that experience prepared you for private practice? Well, I think for private practice, what I do mostly now is litigation work, and I do some government regulatory and internal investigations work. But first and foremost, handling litigation matters in the civil side has prepared me to, I think, think pretty well on my feet during contested motions, certainly at trials. Uh, I can tell you in the almost 20 years that I've been in the private practice, I've only tried three jury cases, civil cases. So that gives you an idea Mm -hmm. of how infrequent those happen outside of sort of the personal injury uh, trial area. So I think it gave me the the confidence to be um, on my feet and to adapt to certain situations uh, when you get thrown a curveball. And it also helps you when you're arguing cases and talking to a jury, it's about persuasion. And that's something that can be used whether or not you're talking to an opposing counsel, a judge, or in a boardroom talking to the board of directors and trying to get them in a certain path uh, in either going after um, a lawsuit or in defending a lawsuit. So some of these cases that you talked about at, uh, on TV, they're very high profile cases, I guess you could say. Uh, there's the Jesse Smollett case, there's the Jason Van Dyke trial. What type of uh, analyst work does that entail? 
You know, really, when I first got involved with it, it was through a contact that I had who was a reporter uh, and a news person at WGN. Prior to that, she was at CLTV. And I would often talk to her off the record when she had certain questions about what was happening, just so she could understand uh, sort of the, the mechanics of the courtrooms down there. And then the opportunity presented itself to talk uh, on camera with some of these matters. So you hear all different uh, types of cases, um, but predominantly the ones that they want commentary are the ones that have, um, you know, interest to the public. And certainly, I think the one that was uh, of most interest that I've worked on in the most serious case was the Jason Van Dyke trial and the, the tragedy of Laquan McDonald. How much notice do you get from once you arrive on set and have to be ready to talk about these cases? How much notice do you get before these pending trials? That's a great question. I think in the the first notice is very short. It's oftentimes a call or an email. Hey, can you jump on a call or can you go on Zoom or can you come down to the WGN studios within the next hour or two? So there's not a lot of advance notice. I sometimes, as I've done more of the work and um, talk to more people, it, it at WGN who have questions on cases, I could sometimes get an idea when I might be getting a call. For example, when um, the police officers were indicted in Minnesota in the George Floyd killing, I kind of had an idea that they might reach out. There's other people that they talk to. So uh, there's not a lot of notice. And uh, when you get down there, some of the people will say, you know, we want to talk to you about these questions. And sometimes they We'll throw you up there and you just kind of have to wait for the question and then answer it as best you can. Yeah. So is, what's the preparation like? I mean, you have two hours to work with. Are there certain things you can say, you know, you're going to say you can't say? I would say with the uh, if it's a situation involving, you know, something going on in Cook County, uh, I feel more comfortable in my preparation because I have memories of what the laws were and the class ranges of the felonies and how things work there. Uh, the example we talked about earlier with the, the Minnesota case, I had to do a lot more preparation to understand what the different charges were uh, and the different statutes that were involved in Minnesota, which are very different than they are here in Illinois. And it even had some more commentary on the, uh, I think it's the Breonna Taylor case that was out of Kentucky in Louisville, where they have certain scenarios down there that they don't even recognize bodies of law that's recognized here in Illinois. So when it's something outside of Cook County, a lot more work needs to be done in just understanding those jurisdictions, statutes, and laws and how they apply to certain situations. Yeah. So, and in addition to just explaining the law and the statutes, I assume you have to sort of maintain a balanced commentary. Is that fair to say? Most definitely. And and that and when I first started, that was kind of difficult because my background came out of the prosecutor's office and I spent the vast majority of my career doing that. But having to then understand that you need to kind of be right down the middle and explain both sides, uh, I, I think that was something I learned early on and I've tried to become more and more sort of neutral in how I describe things so that I can explain a body of law or a concept without someone thinking he's pro-police or he's pro-defendant in one way or another. And that was a, a certainly difficult um, balancing act in the Van Dyke case uh, and the associated case in which the, the other officers were tried to a bench trial uh, and were acquitted. So that was a, a, a difficult uh, balancing act. Right. Um, it's not only a difficult position, it just seems like an interesting hybrid position to me 
on one hand, you're obviously a licensed attorney and have to comply with all the ABA requirements, but you're sitting with news anchors. You're somewhat of like a reporter, a journalist, right? Sure. A lot of Loyola second and first year students have to take a required professional responsibility course right now. Right. And we all have to take the multi-state ethics before sitting for the bar. Are there any sort of special rules for this sort of public trial commentary? Yeah, what I've looked into uh, when I first started doing this was to make sure that I didn't, I tried not to inject any of my personal opinions into the validity of any of these cases, whether someone's guilty or not guilty. That's not my decision. That's not the press's decision. That's up to the trier of fact, be it a judge or a jury. The other thing I had to be aware of was um, uh, I had an, an example a couple of years ago where they were seeking some commentary on a case, and I knew the person that uh, was in this situation uh, that was being investigated. And I explained that I just didn't feel comfortable commenting on that because even if I was giving a neutral, uh, unbiased opinion, if someone ever were to, were to find out that I knew that person from a professional relationship before, uh, I wouldn't want that to be seen as that I had a slant one way or another in favor of that person or against that person. So those are the things that you have to worry about. And I think really on the ethical side is if, if you just, I've always taken it as, is I can explain sort of the mechanisms of go, what's going on in the courts, what's happening, what you're likely to see, interpreting what the charges might be, some of the arguments that are made by counsel without injecting my personal opinion one way or another on guilt or innocence. That's sort of the, the standard that I've used and will continue to use. I think that's a very fair standard. Um, this episode will air while the Derek Chauvin trial has already begun, March 8th. How important a trial will this be given the current national dialogue on reforming police tactics and the calls for defunding of police? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's very important. Clearly, that's an issue that's that's front and center right now with the uh, the unfortunate times that we see uh, police officers in- involved with individuals and, and they're acting beyond the scope of their authority or inappropriate. Um, and again, I would, as I pointed out before, um, those tend to be the ones that are brought forth as opposed to the 95% of the other instances where there's complete professionalism on behalf of the police. So uh, in this situation, it will be important because I do think that the public still feels that police officers are treated better, um, that they're not held to a higher standard uh, under the criminal laws. I think we've seen that. I just noticed an article uh, recently that they decided not to pursue charges on a matter out in New York involving some officers in Rochester uh, with a gentleman who was having a mental health crisis and, and died in the course of their um, interaction with him. So uh, there is uh, skepticism and there is concern. I think it's a, uh, it's a valid concern that sometimes police officers are not held to the same standards by judges and juries in the courts. So this will be very important. Um, I was, we talked a lot on the, uh, on the Jason Van Dyke trial, uh, that people were concerned about that. And I really think in that case, looking at it in retrospect, that the jury did a phenomenal job of reaching the right decision there, um, that he should have been convicted of what he was convicted of. Um, and I think they made the right decision in finding him guilty of second degree. And hopefully in Chicago and Cook County, that, that people had a better understanding now and a realization that officers will be held accountable when they act outside the scope of their authority. And uh, 
if, if necessary, will be prosecuted and juries will convict them. Yeah, very important stuff we're talking about. Uh, can we expect to see you on television during the course of this Derek Chauvin trial or any trial coming up? You know, I don't know. I would think uh, possibly in the Chauvin trial. Uh, I, I doubt I'll be in studio. That hasn't happened in a year because of what we're dealing with with the pandemic. But yeah. understanding now with Zoom and all of these others uh, mechanisms to do that, uh, it's a, certainly a possibility. I've done some over the summer, uh, as I mentioned earlier, on the Breonna Taylor matter down in Kentucky and a couple times on the uh, the Chauvin case in Minnesota. So um, I'd welcome the opportunity. It's a super interesting case, and uh, I really enjoy working with the people at WGN. They're very professional, and they're very welcoming, nice people. Well, on a final note, uh, you were also a trial ad professor at your alma mater, Chicago Kent. Do you have any advice for our law school listeners who wish to go into litigation? Yeah, so I always, uh, I think trial ad's a great course to take, even if you don't plan on becoming a litigation or trial lawyer. Uh, I will tell people uh, the way that they did it at Kent, I think they still do it, is in order to take trial ad, you have to take evidence first, and that people should not get frustrated because you really don't learn evidence until you take trial ad and see how it works in the actual course of a trial. Um, I, I think it's a great class because it, it gives you confidence and puts you on your feet, talking to people, trying to convince them, uh, trying to learn how to pivot when things don't necessarily go your way. And that's going to happen no matter whether or not you're in a courtroom, whether you're in a corporate office, whether you're on a Zoom call and someone challenges you on a question you weren't expecting. You have to be able to think on your feet and you want to make those mistakes in law school so that you can deal with them uh, instead of you know making it on a uh, in front of a major presentation you're doing or when you're working on a major uh, case or presentation. So um, I think it's a great class. I love teaching it. It was, it was, it was fun to see, uh, I don't wanna call them kids because some of them were even older than me at the time, to just to see them improve so much and to see some of them now out there practicing law and a couple of them are even judges. So it's interesting to see a student now become a judge that you appear in front of. So it's, uh, it, was, it was a great experience. I enjoyed doing it. And I would encourage anyone to, if you have a chance to take a trial ad class. I agree. A trial ad, it's a great course at Loyola. And it's also one you can take during a January if you're a 2L. Right. So many great people teach it. And those are the people yeah. that you're going to maybe see in your practice. So, uh, you know, if you had a professor who was a judge and you come in front of that judge, it's always nice to know that you recognize the face and that person might recognize yours. So uh, I appreciate it. And I thank you, Emmett, for having me on. And the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you, Joe. You're quite welcome. That's all from us here at the Papa Kit. Thanks again for joining us today. Our team wants to hear from you. If there's a topic you want the show to cover, please email us at thepapakit at gmail.com. Visit our website at thepapakit.com for more information on the episodes and our guests. The Papa Kit is produced by WLUW, the student-run independent radio station broadcasting from the School of Communication at Loyola University, Chicago. Our senior editor is Radhika Sutherland. Our associate editors are Olivia O'Shea, Emmett Harrington, Leanne Jossend, and Lenny Reinhardt. Our editor-in-chief is Matt Doran. Special thanks to Dean Michael Kaufman for providing the resources and support to make this show possible. From Loyola University, Chicago, School of All, this has been The Podvocate.